0: I was pacing through the living room, the breakfast room, and the kitchen, and eventually I raised my hand in a rant and I went, I am tired of not feeling like a priest. And then I paused and turned to Kay and said, Honey, would you bake some cookies? These two incongruent sentences actually make some sense. Now, it's true that um, I have been frustrated by this quarantine, but never more so than uh, in the knowledge that a member of our parish, a young man uh, with a young family, a noble, a noble, much loved man, was dying. And he obviously was far too young to be dying. Kay and I prayed every morning that um, he would persevere through this. Shroud of the coronavirus. But as the days turned into weeks, and in the weeks turned into two months, um, it became highly unlikely. I would call him on the phone once a week, but then he could no longer talk on the phone. And that's when I began to pace around the house. Wasn't accustomed to not being able to get to the people that we love in this parish. I mean, I. I thought about just showing up on the porch. But then what do you say? Hey, how far along are you? I just couldn't figure it out. So then I had my brainstorm as I was throwing my tantrum. Cookies. Homemade cookies. That's the universal key into anyone's home. So I asked Kay if she would bake them and she was just bored enough to say yes. And in a few minutes, I could you know kind of hear uh, her wistfully kind of going through her her work in the kitchen and the happiness factor in our house just begin to rise and then, with the sweet smell of the cookies, I think both of us began to be elevated to another place, knowing at least at least something was being done. She let the cookies cool and then she put them in a cellophane bag that she had kind of Uh, secreted back for such an occasion like this, and she put a big ribbon on it. We drove over to our friend's home. Kay elected to stay in the car, thinking I would just really be relegated to the porch and deliver the cookies. I rang the bell, and the man's uh, sweet, devoted wife came to the door, and she saw the cookies in my hand with my mask on, and she said, Pat. He's having a good day today. Would you like to come in and visit? Would I like to? Yeah. And so she led me back and left me alone with my friend. And we talked about, well, the things that Christians talk about at such a time. We talked about his encroaching death. We talked about how much he loved his family, his young daughter. We talked about... um, Talked about his fears and then we prayed (laughs) when I got back to the car it wasn't that much longer maybe 20 minutes I was so filled with emotion I couldn't even turn the key in the ignition of the Subaru it wasn't a bad emotion it was a good emotion knowing that the Lord the Lord had opened the door for me but as Kay and I did drive down the road I asked myself this question who who is the real priest in this picture I mean is it the delivery boy or is it the one who made the cookies I would say it was the latter the K is the priest in this portrait not me and when she baked. It was like an aroma, like incense wafting up to God. And every time, every time we take an act like that, in the kitchen, or in our workshop, or over the phone, or uh, in our study as we write a letter, or wherever we may be, any we take an action out of the repertoire that God has given us, it becomes a sweet sacrifice to God and hallelujah to him. And we exercise our priesthood. It's, it's powerful stuff. That's exactly what Peter's up to as he tries to rally his, his despondent churches in north and western Turkey. They have really ended up being low on octane and there's not a lot of fervor there I imagine him sort of like a a coach in a locker room as he kind of, as he extols them saying, hey come to him, the living stone, even though he was rejected by mortals he was chosen, precious and holy by God and you too, you guys too, be as living stones, be built into a spiritual house, into a a holy priesthood. And you too make spiritual sacrifices through Jesus Christ our Lord that will be fully acceptable to God. Powerful, powerful statement here. Uh, Peter starts off by saying the, the living stone, the cornerstone is Jesus Christ. Oh, humans thought they could, they could easily put him aside, but they couldn't. Death. Death could have no hold on him. He is a stone that, that, that cannot be removed. And then he goes on to say, and guess what? You're chiseled out. You are chiseled out of that living stone and you become living stones and you're being built into a spiritual house. And you have been transformed to become a holy priesthood. Each one of you are priest, priest of God. Wow. Wow. You know, Martin Luther was so, was so moved by this passage, when he saw it with fresh eyes, that he wrote this sentence. He said, "Soon." The word priest will be as common as the word Christian because all Christians are priests. And the Reformation was up and running. You are a priest of God. You're a priest of God. There is no higher calling than that. And I want to say, as I've said to you many times over the last eight years, We don't have an A-team priesthood and a B-team priesthood. There's only one, one priesthood. Those who offer the best they have out of love for God and devotion to the people he has given us. You know, over the years that I have been here, occasionally uh, led by Mariel Rogers, we we will bake hundreds of dozens of cookies so that we can have ministers go into the women's prison up in Gatesville, just north of uh, Fort Hood. And when, when that is going on, the whole building, I mean almost the whole campus, smells like one big cookie. It is, it is overwhelming. And if you walk back there, the women will have packages of cookies i swear to you boxed up all the way to the ceiling ready to go and their hands are wrist deep in batter and milk eggs and flour and butter and sugar and it has become a doxology unto god by the altar of a hot oven.